Welcome to the Pinocchio Project. I'm your host, Mitch Friedman. Ideas have consequences, and every day you're exposed to ideas that promise human flourishing. Our mission here on the Pinocchio Project is to equip you to examine these everyday ideas so that you can determine for yourself whether or not they deliver on their promises. Welcome to the Pinocchio Project. This is Mitch Friedman, your host, along with Jeff Olson, our fantastic sound engineer. We are broadcasting, as always, or as typical, from beautiful Lago Vista, Texas. Uh, both Jeff and I today are inside the building, and we're both wearing blankets around our shoulders because it's very cold. And so this uh, environment reminds me of the need that my Jewish grandmother would always remind me of. She'd say, uh, when it's cold, butchy, keep your shoulders covered. So Jeff and I are sitting here with our shoulders covered as we launch into today's Pinocchio Project episode. Uh, I've titled this episode, Fun with Words or How to Ignite a Fire Even with Wet Wood. Uh, I got in a lot of trouble in my earlier days, very young days, uh, a young boy, adventurous, mischievous even. Uh, I loved to play with fire. And uh, one particular event, I was out in the field uh, messing around with uh, wet weeds and wet pieces of wood, and they would not light with my matches. So I ran home and got some accelerant, got some lighter fluid from the grill area and just saturated all of that in the pile. And it finally, finally burned. But the, the substance itself, the wood and the, the grass, were really not fire-worthy. Well, today I want to take that same principle of igniting wet wood uh, with the accelerant of words. Uh, words are so important. Uh, words have moral, uh, intense character and uh, qualities to them. And it seems when I really want to get my message across, but my wood may be wet, meaning my substance may not be all I need it to be, uh, then I typically accelerate uh, with incendiary words. And uh, those kind of words are all around us. They are in media of all kinds, uh, both spoken and printed. And today I want to uh, do a little interactive exercise with the Pinocchio Project audience taken from a recent article. I would say this is a a fire or an inferno that started uh, where the wood may not be properly prepared to burn. And so the intensity of the words in the editorial opinion writer's mind, the intensity of the words makes up for a possible lack of substance in the wood. So before I start, before we open up this text and look at the article itself or the editorial, I want to remind us that our goal on the Pinocchio Project is to vet ideas that promise human flourishing. Uh, we vet them, we examine them through a biblical grid, through our biblical worldview that we're developing and growing in. Uh, and we determine whether or not ideas that promise human flourishing can actually deliver according to the uh, flourishing certainty of life according to God's Word. And as I was uh, preparing this episode, I was reminded of Proverbs 14, verse 15. Uh, it's sort of a refusing to be taken captive by ideas. Proverb, uh, the, the proverb says, The simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his or her steps. So in the Proverbs and other places in the biblical text, particularly in the Old Testament, 
uh, in the ancient Hebrew, you would see someone that's called simple, and it's not, it's not really a compliment. It literally means more slow to understand or apathetic, lazy, and intellectual capacity. Uh, it, to summarize, it, a synonym for simple in this context is fool. So let me, and you'll actually see this in certain translations for Proverbs 14, 15. Uh, the foolish believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps or her steps. And as we open up this article, this editorial from Los Angeles Times dated September 5th of this year, the reason this proverb came to mind is uh, it, it seems that there are a lot of gullible citizens uh, in our land that, that respond to uh, incendiary, overly intense moral language that's used to promote agendas. And we can all do this. I think we all do uh, use moral language all the time uh, to either defend or promote our position. Uh, this seems to be uh, just what I would call typically over the top as to intensity and heat, even though the wood of the agenda is not trustworthy. So here we go. Uh, what I want you to do in this interactive uh, time together is when I read this editorial, and I do want to commend the Times for putting this in the editorial section. Editorial sections are typically for opinions, and so this is definitely an opinion. Uh, it's not uh, journalism uh, in the sense that it's couched in the editorial section, so I do want to give them credit for that. But as I read through this, I want you to uh, stop me, either symbolically or maybe you can just pause and say to yourself, you know, that was a really intense, incendiary, uh, fiery language uh, that's being used to create this argument. So uh, this has to do with the Dobbs decision, the recent uh, decision by SCOTUS to overturn Roe v. Wade. So ready? Here we go. Los Angeles Times, September 5, 2022. When the Supreme Court obliterated the constitutional right to an abortion. You should be hitting pause right now. When the Supreme Court obliterated, so in my dictionary, obliterate means to utterly destroy or wipe out. When the Supreme Court obliterated the constitutional right to an abortion, you should be hitting pause again. Is that what Dobbs did? By overturning Roe v. Wade in June, Lawmakers in nearly half the states hurried to enact bans and draconian restrictions on abortion. You should be hitting pause. You may be hitting pause because you don't know what draconian means. But in my dictionary, it means excessively harsh and severe. So let me read it with a definition. Lawmakers in nearly half the states hurried to enact bans and excessively harsh and severe restrictions on abortions. So are you sensing the intensity of the fire-starting accelerant on the woodpile of this agenda? But other legislators, I'm going on now, other legislators and advocates, including some of those states hostile to abortion rights, stepped in to sponsor constitutional amendments to protect that right. This year, five constitutional amendments on abortion, some guaranteeing a right to it, some stating that there is no right, have qualified for state ballots across the country, 
and more are in the process of getting on the ballot. Now, I hit pause in my own mind when I was reading this last section uh, because they actually missed an opportunity to provide accelerant to their woodpile. Five constitutional amendments on abortion, some guaranteeing a right to it, some stating that there is no right to it. Now, that is just a plain statement that has no accelerant to it. That's actually a judicious, a legitimate way to write on the issue. So let's continue. So the whole purpose of this editorial is to raise awareness and promote a, a proposition in California that will be voted on November 8th. On November 8th, the editorial continues, California voters will decide on Proposition 1, which is an amendment to the state constitution explicitly guaranteeing the right to abortion and contraception. We wholeheartedly support this effort to enshrine in the state constitution a right that the majority of the Supreme Court wrote off as not deserving protection. You should be screaming at your device right now, Mitch, why haven't you paused? Stop. You missed it. I didn't miss it. I was just trying to get you worked up. Let me go back. We wholeheartedly support this effort to enshrine. And in my notes, I wrote in parentheses, your worship is showing. Because after all, when I look in the dictionary for a shrine, a shrine is a sacred or holy space dedicated to a specific deity. So what this proposition is encouraging is the worship of a specific deity protected in a sacred or holy space in the California state constitution. So let's just think for a minute. What deity is being worshipped if Proposition 1 is voted in on November 8th and it's a constitutionally guaranteed state-protected right to abortion? If it's enshrined, what deity is being worshipped? I'll just let you process that for a minute. Now, the final in this brief, now I'm not reading the whole article, I'm just doing a sample. Uh, the rest of the article, it's fairly lengthy. It has some more accelerant on what I would call wet wood, weak argument uh, substance. But the final statement here is the, the Supreme Court being accused of writing off protection for women's rights to abortion. And actually, the article didn't use women, it used pregnant people. So we just continue on with the uh, wet wood. Uh, and then finally, in this section, this proposition is worthy of your vote. So I'm going to review. If you told me to pause or if you paused yourself on obliterated and constitutional right to an abortion, if you paused on hostile to abortion rights, if you paused on enshrine in the Constitution this right, if you paused on the majority of the Supreme Court wrote off as not deserving protection, then you're developing a non or less simple attitude toward examining ideas and refusing to be taken captive by them. You are, you are moving from simplicity to being prudent. And so I want to give you a, uh, a kudo for that. But this is our role as uh, Christ followers, really as critical thinkers, whether or not you follow Christ. A critical thinker always looks at language being used 
to support or promote or uh, destroy or detract from or dismiss arguments. Critical thinking is a necessary skill to uh, successful living and to not be carried off like a lamb to the slaughter. And in these days of uh, very polarized opinions about human flourishing uh, in the West and particularly in our country, in America, uh, critical thinking is more necessary than ever, than ever and it's ac- absolutely more lacking than ever. Uh, we, we take our rants to social media and uh, we, we actually don't discuss facts, we discuss feelings, and then we descend into, uh, I would say, negligent hostility and the degradation of fellow image bearers. So what I want to do is I want to move from the accelerant of moral language to the fact-checking of the wet wood. Uh, so what I call this uh, last, we're going to use the same section of the article, and we're going to do uh, a fact-check of the flames and, and see whether this wood is actually wet. So just stay with me. I hope you'll understand what I'm doing here. If I can get beyond the moral language to what is actually being uh, proposed and promoted and defended, then I can do a good job of fact-checking. Same article. When the Supreme Court obliterated the constitutional right to an abortion, pause, uh, what the court actually did in Dobbs was to function according to its mandate when it returned the question of the legality of abortion to the individual states. The, the, the court actually uh, functioned in the way it's designed as the judiciary branch of our government. So uh, we should celebrate that. We should never celebrate the legality of abortion uh, being turned over to anybody because it is absolutely against uh, the nature of what it means to be human, and it's a a horrendous violation of the image of God. But the fact-checking of the article or the editorial uh, shows us that Dobbs function, the Dobbs decision proves that the court functioned in the ways that it's mandated. So, I know I keep reading it over and over again. When the Supreme Court obliterated the constitutional right to an abortion by overturning Roe v. Wade in June, lawmakers in nearly half the states hurried to enact bans and draconian restrictions on abortions. But other legislators other legislators and advocates, including in some of those same states, stepped in to sponsor constitutional amendments to protect that right. This year, five constitutional amendments on abortion, some guaranteeing a right to it, some stating that there is no right, have qualified for state ballots across the country, and more are in the process of getting on the ballot. Uh, So what's being formed here is this idea that states have a personality and that they are, as distinct personalities, uh, deciding on these issues themselves. Well, uh, the fact is that every state is made up of citizens, and those citizens are responsible to be good stewards of the responsibility that they've been given uh, to, to elect lawmakers and then to make their voices heard so that their lawmakers are commissioned are commissioned to legislate the will of the voters. So this is nothing more than just a, uh, a I would call it a, uh, a straw man argument setting up a false uh, personality and, and ascribing evil or good intent to it when we, we lift up the state 
as the personality. The truth is, ladies and gentlemen of the United States, uh, if you still have the right to vote, which most, if not all of you do who are listening to me, it is our responsibility to be informed, to put lawmakers in place, and to make our voice heard as to these important moral and civil issues. So here's the final closing. On November 8, California voters will decide on Proposition 1, an amendment to the state constitution explicitly guaranteeing the right to an abortion and contraception. We wholeheartedly support this effort to enshrine in the state constitution a right that the majority of the Supreme Court wrote off as not deserving protection. This proposition is worthy of your vote. Now, when I read that, uh, my heart breaks because uh, what's being written off here and not as not deserving protection are the unborn. Again, without a vote and without a voice and the enshrinement of a specific deity of personal autonomy has now proven itself once again to be a more formidable deity than those who bear the image of God created by a loving father in the womb and now not deserving protection. The specific deity that's being enshrined is our own uh, selfish desire to be on the throne, to be self-actualized, to not be bothered by personal responsibility, to not take responsibility when we decide to perform the sex act and live with the consequences that follow. Uh, That's a little preachy, I know, but when I see that last statement, we wholeheartedly support this effort to enshrine in the state constitution a right that the majority of the Supreme Court wrote off as not deserving protection. It reminds us of the absolute depravity that's possible when we live a life unrestrained as worshiping ourselves instead of the Creator who is to be forever praised. And Jeff and I said together, Amen. As we leave, as we close out, I want to remind us of our responsibilities as Christ followers and as critical thinkers that we refuse to be taken captive by bad ideas. The simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his or her steps. May we be found diligent in growing from simplicity to prudence. For The Pinocchio Project, this is Mitch Friedman, signing off until next time. Thanks so much for being with us on The Pinocchio Project today. If this podcast has value for you, please subscribe or follow. Give us a five-star rating and share. If you have an everyday idea you'd like to submit for us to examine, simply email us at pinocchioprojectpod at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at PinocchioPod, or you can hit the links in the show notes below. Thanks again for listening, and remember, your everyday ideas have significant consequences.